Love it. Excellent. I will forget all of it, but you know what? Yeah. Thanks for the explanation before. And I'm just going to like punk you and just be like, Lita, okay, do the thing we talked about. You're going to be like, yeah. oh <laughs> I'm like, what? Take my top off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, goodness, what is happening? <laughs> well, I, well, well, I think we got nothing. a cold open now. <laughs> ah, I told you not to come down here. <laughs> Granny, don't! <laughs> Autobots, transform and roll out! Well, hey, welcome back for another thrilling episode of Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers. This is the podcast where two guys that have almost the same name uh, talk about Transformers Animated one episode at a time from two different points of view. Uh, my name is Mike Seibert. I have never watched Transformers Animated before this project, and joining me on this animated adventure is TFA superfan, serial rewatcher, if you will, Michael Andrews. Yes, I have only seen Transformers animated. I've never seen another show in my entire life. That's the dynamic here. Wow, and I say serial rewatcher. I guess I, I wasn't. I wasn't joking. <laughs> it's like that's a that, that's a deep level of obsession, my friend. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I stay focused. It's all for the show. It's all for the show. Gotcha. How you doing, Mike? Good to good to hear from you. You know what? I I am doing okay. It feels like it's been forever since we've had uh, the opportunity to do another one of these, and and I'm glad that you're sounding a a little better. I I know folks got to enjoy yes. some uh, um, husky Minnesotan dulcet tones there in our wow. in our last episode. But <laughs> I do um, miss that. I do miss that. <laughs> I, I do what I do not miss is editing out all the all the, all the sniffies, but that's that's all right. That's all right. I'll put We're a couple all... in for you. Don't worry. Terrific. I, I am looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but no, so we we have a a, a very special episode uh, today. And if you're looking at your two mics two furious podcast feeds, um, you're going to say, "Well, wait a sec." Didn't you guys already do Along Came a Spider? What is going on here? Why um, do they just like that that episode that much? Well, yes, <laughs> do like yeah. that episode that much, uh, which which we're going to get into in a few. But we um, wanted to take the opportunity to to canonize this uh, uh, this uh, this telling of Two Mike's Two Furious in this particular episode but we wanted to rather than just having the same conversation twice six months apart which is delightful and i'm sure uh if you listen to two both episodes back to back you, you you'll probably find some uh, uh fascinating insights there but we wanted to do something a little different and i think this was one of our very first ideas when we were talking about the trajectory of the show and what we were going to do with it and the sequence of it and for this, knowing that we were going to do Along Came a Spider a second time, we wanted to do it very differently. So we, um, you, I think, Michael Andrews, this was your idea. I, I'm just like, 
yeah, that that's awesome. I cosign. I <laughs> I, I will gladly cosign this brave legislation, Senator. Uh, please uh, sell me your literature. Uh, <laughs> sign, sign me up for your newsletter. But no, we we had the, we had the idea of bringing in a guest and bringing in a, a very good friend of ours. And for as we will discuss, um, which may not have been apparent to her at the time, a very specific reason. Why? Why we thought this uh, this episode would be a really good fit. So um, we invited a very special guest to join us, and joining us right now for the very first time on Two Mics Too Furious, it, it is the internet's number one Alita One Stan. It's Lita. Hey, hello! Thanks for having me. Excited to make Two Mics Too Furious podcast debut history right here. Yeah, I love official it. third mic. I love it. Official yes. third mic. <laughs> Mike three, I gotta do yeah, my theater three. It's my favorite. <laughs> because because as, as folks have come to know, when you join two mics too furious, you are Mike. You are Mike. <laughs> so from this point, we forward, are Mike. <laughs> yes, we are Mike. Too powerful. Too powerful. It's too much. It's it, it's too furious. If uh, if, if you will, one can um, say. Yeah. Exactly. So today we are going to be talking about uh, Transformers Animated Episode 9, Along Came a Spider, again, um, originally airing on February 16th, 2008, and written by Marty Eisenberg. But before we get into the uh, discussion of the episode, Lita, every podcast is somebody's first podcast, and there's um, a new audience here that might be meeting you for the first time. I gave you a little bit of a softball to indicate your your uh, Transformers fandom claim to fame. You are you are the Alita, um, Alita Prime, <laughs> as it were. But uh, for folks that might be just uh, meeting you for the first time, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then from there, let's kind of talk about what your connection or perhaps not connection is with uh, with Transformers Animated. But first, let's, uh, let's do a quick get to know you sesh. Perfect. Oh, I mean, how much time do you have? I'm so vain. I could talk about myself <laughs> for hours. But <laughs> 45 Anyways, seconds, to- <laughs> to keep it brief here um as as said my my name is lita that's how i go by in the fandom and it was coined because when i first got into the fandom i really um clung to alita one as a character she was my favorite when i first joined the fandom and kind of built my legacy around her i did i was uh, on the scene for tumblr rp and i had a had a very popular uh rp blog uh, for Alita One, particularly Transformers Prime. Uh, since then, I've kind of branched out doing fan fiction writing, and now I'm just kind of a general menace on Twitter. <laughs> and at TF Cons, if, if you've ever been to TF Con, you see someone walking around in all pink with the pink robot leggings. That is me. So all the Alita One merch is bought by me. And <laughs> uh, yeah, just basically her mouthpiece. And so you can understandably um, get a sense for why the 2020s maybe haven't been as bad for me as it has for other people because we're in a Alita One renaissance as it is. So yeah, I've been, you know, like the 2020s have had 99 or more than 99 problems, but Alita ain't one. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, living my truth, but yeah. So general, general troll, uh, Alita One Stan, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I love it. 
I didn't know that you were uh, kind of got your start with the uh, Alita one Transformers Prime version, too. That's really cool because. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because it's like, yeah, it's like I, I knew she was in G1 because it was like I, I went back and was rewatching the G1 episodes and was like, oh, who's this? Oh, cool. She's like she's like second in command. She's like Optimus is like right hand and like Wonder Woman. Love this. And then sadly was in nothing else. So I was like, well, <laughs> if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I did. Well, I'm a huge fan of Transformers Prime. My secret goal with this podcast is so that we can have a spinoff podcast where Mike Seibert and I talk about Transformers Prime. So like that's that's the next uh, Mike, plug your ears. But that's the next secret evolution of this show, in my opinion. <laughs> Dude, invite me back whenever you want. That is my bread and yeah. butter gateway drug. Oh, <laughs> so so good. I could talk about that forever. <laughs> but sorry, we're talking about Transformers animated. Mike, earmuffs. You can take them yeah. off. Uh, we're back. We're back to the show. Cone of silence. Oh, OK. All right. I'm, 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 I'm back. I'm back. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you know when we get to the dark of the moon stuff we can earmuff up then oh god <laughs> he really wants us to cover that movie and i i don't i don't i don't know. understandably because it's the best one so yes truly <laughs> so with uh, uh speaking of transformers animated uh you know i i've mentioned you know the the, the mission of this podcast is I've never sat down and watched TFA before, and it was the it was the one piece of media that all of my friends said one were surprised that it was such a blind spot because it seems like there's so much material quote unquote for me. So um, Michael Andrews, being the serial rewatcher, is like you know what, let's take this journey together, and so so that's kind of been our perspective like you know he's the wise old sage and i'm the i'm the uh youngling padawan here um i'm curious though for as much of a super fan as you are of uh, transformers prime and other iterations of uh the transformers what is your relationship to transformers animated uh so very simply non-existent <laughs> <laughs> i i too have among my other list of egregious sins against the fandom have never watched uh, Transformers animated in my life. And this episode was the first and only episode I've ever watched of Transformers animated. So everyone who gets on my ass about not having watched Beast Wars, not having read the God tier comics, you know, add this to my, to my list of <laughs> things I must atone for. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry, I just flipped my desk over, but I, I didn't. Yeah, I, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I know. I'm just, I'm just really setting out to become pariah at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually you were doing it for the sake of this show. You knew we'd have a show like this where you need to watch it fresh for the first time, and and luckily you saved it for us. So I appreciate. it. There that. you go. I was lying previously. That's that's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out she had seen the entire series already, but then for us for friendship. Went to like Total Recall and got like that mind wipe stuff. Yeah. And, yes. and it's just a neuralizer like, for Men in Black, if you will. Oh man. So uh so as as I said, we are talking about Transformers Animated Season One, Episode Nine, Along Came a Spider, which as I uh, mentioned, aired on February sixteenth, two thousand eight, and was written by Marty Eisenberg. And I um I, I wanted to come back to that date. Because um, our previous episode, uh, Nanosec, was in uh, late January. Uh, Michael Andrews, this uh, this episode aired three weeks later after Nanosec, and oh wow, I don't 
I don't know if there's any specific reason. Maybe it was like winter hiatus or whatever. But going through these episodes sequentially, I, I did find it fascinating um, that, that some of these ha- have gaps or that there's like gaps in time. Yeah, I don't uh, I have no idea what that would be. And it's interesting because it's a Halloween episode or maybe they were trying to decide if we should like move it to Halloween time or something. Um, But it also I was looking at the air date of February 16th and it also kind of works as like a Valentine's episode because there is sort of a spoiler alert. There's a little bit of a, a romance to it. It's this one. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe that was to kind of tie it in and make sort of a, a Valentine special. I'm also just given a uh, current climate in Hollywood. This would have been around the same time as the previous writer strike, I believe as well, 2007, 2008. So I wonder if that also had, you know, any significance, like maybe the episodes were just kind of late getting out of the gate in terms of like writing production stuff like that as well but that's that could purely be conjecture but that's just my immediate thought yeah that actually makes a lot of sense because again marty eisenberg wrote this one and we've only seen him write like the pilot episode that they shoved in as episode eight and then this one him getting yeah. home so i could see that yeah, it, it, it's a fascinating chronology, and it's interesting. And I, I don't want to uh, steer too deep into a tangent, but it is interesting how things go in cycles, how things are cyclical. It, you know, so currently, as of this recording, the uh, current writer strike has been going on for what a week, uh, possibly two. There, there's rumblings of other uh, unions joining the fight. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that happens. But like, I I think forget the last time that there was a writer strike and really the ramifications for uh, Hollywood productions. It's like anybody remember uh, season two of Heroes? Anybody remember season two of Friday Night Lights? Anybody remember a movie called I don't know Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen? That that was. Yeah. It was written. That by, was a masterpiece. Was a Don't you dare come film? after it. How dare you? <laughs> Nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. yeah. Better than Dark of the Moon, I would say, personally. Sure, sure. So <laughs> yeah. take. So yeah, so so there there's all kinds of like children of the writer strike. So it'll be interesting to see what uh what happens going forward in our current time, but it is interesting a, a footnote for the uh the for the release of uh, this episode. And, um, and Lita, I want to ask you, I probably should have asked uh, a moment ago before we kind of went in head first, but like when we extended the invitation to you to come on this episode, did you, did you have any inclination or indication of why? Like, like, uh, well, they, they want me on a Halloween episode. That's weird. <laughs> so I being Alita one's, number one simp i i do know what this episode is i know that she massive quotations is in transformers animated in some capacity and you know obviously just through osmosis of fandom i've seen screen caps i kind of know what's going on so it's not completely blind it's something where it's like i was aware of it i did a little bit of tf wikiing way back in the day just because i was like oh like what is this but didn't really do a deep dive into it, never watched or brought myself to watch the episode, but I do have a general sense. And as soon as I got the invite, I was like, 
it's the Alita one time. Let's go. Let's do this. Like I'm yeah. about to eviscerate this thing. Like We need the foremost authority. That's what I said to Mike. I said, I'll only do this if we get the number one. I'm always here to talk Alita one and not Alita one because the opinions they'll come later perfect i love <laughs> Lots to talk about. i i promise this would be a different episode than the last time we discussed it and uh and uh um i i don't think the audience is going to be disappointed for me this th- this was fascinating revisiting this episode because like you lita when i watched it last october for halloween time it was my first uh, foray into TFA as well. So you and I kind of had like a weirdly similar experience in that, like it was the first episode of Transformers animated I had seen. And I had, I, I was a blank slate. I, I didn't even know the things that you did going in like the cultural osmosis stuff. I, I knew it was a black arachnia episode and I knew it was a Halloween episode, but that was it. So it's like, as things unfolded, I was like, oh, holy heck, what is happening here? But also knowing that it was like episode nine, I had certain uh, preconceived notions of what was in those previous eight episodes, because I, I really had no idea. But now watching it again in sequence, it's even more fascinating to me because the the thing that I've discovered going through Transformers Animated sequentially is it really is a slow burn in terms of like gradually introducing characters and uh, concepts. I, I guess I had assumed the first time through that it was, you know, the, 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 Decepticons are, are established. They're everywhere. You know, they're, they're probably fighting over power plants every week or something like that, or, you know, uh, going after Energon cubes or what, whatever the MacGuffin of the, of the week is. And so far in my viewing and our rewatch, that has not been the case at all. It's all, it's been steeped in origin story, world building stuff. And I find it, incredibly fascinating the patience and time that a children's cartoon takes to do so much world building like it's i mean we're we're nine episodes in and this is the first time we've seen a uh, decepticon be a real uh menace and interacting with the autobots since the pilot and that's 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 just wild to me and 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 on this watch through the the second time so this is the first time i've watched the episode in six months you know since since we did it the first time through and and like i said i was just i I was i was just blown away by kind of like how little has happened that's the wrong way but in a good way right yeah 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 Yeah. no no i'm i'm loving it I, i i didn't expect um, such a, a slow burn world building because even stuff like Transformers Earthspark kind of gets going pretty quickly. You know, uh, retroactively, folks have said like the first half of the first season is kind of slow and retroactively, I can kind of see that. But still, like within like you got the pilot, then you got the first episode and then you're off to the races. And then it's just kind of similar world building, actually. I, now that now that I'm saying this out loud, I think that TFA and Earthspark 
kind of are two of a kind in terms of the world building and and character spotlights. Every episode of TFA we've seen so far has been a character spotlight episode, which I, I found very intriguing. Yeah, and it's like you kind of get a sense, like, again, I I did not do any due diligence. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to watch this one episode yeah. and just, you know, see what what uh, comes out of it uh, with all my ignorance. But it it does very much give off kind of this almost slice of life feel to it what i thought was like most interesting was the robots are just walking around there is no real disguise portion of it which you know it's kind of like a an interesting take so i'm like i'm not sure if that i'm sure it did come up like earlier in the season like why there's no immediate need for them to be in hiding or whatever but it is kind of one of those slice of lives that we get very much with earth spark as well and then with this episode, it did have like an interesting kind of like, you know, flashback to like Cybertron or whatever was happening there. And then that kind of like clash of the Titans-esque feel to it as well. So it was like a really nice kind of like equal balance of like Slice's life and then a oh, real world shit happening <laughs> along yeah. with it. With that backdrop of Halloween for the extra horror. So Michael Andrews, th this has, you know, we, we kind of based the whole uh, premise of this show centered around this episode. Like, you know, I, I, I've told the story many times, uh, but very briefly here, we, uh, we did this as an episode of Mike Seibert Radio because we initially, when we wanted to do Two Mike's Too Furious, it was to time to coincide with the Halloween episode being at Halloween and not wanting to wait yeah. an entire year for that cycle to go again. It's like, let's just do it, test out our dynamic, uh, see, see how we like it. And we discovered that we really hit it off and had, had such a great discussion that this is a terrific first episode for, uh, for somebody to kind of test the waters uh, for, uh, for TFA. So Lita, I'm glad that you, got the opportunity to have the same experience I did, you know, in terms of just kind of getting, getting uh, thrown in the deep end and kind of trying to, trying to uh, navigate the, the waters here. But Michael, you, you've, you've said a number of times that like, this is part of your regular Halloween time rotation. This is an episode that, that you like quite a lot, not just as a Transformers episode, but just in terms of like Halloween canon, this is the only Halloween episode of of the Transformers across all of the series. So I guess I guess my question before we get into the uh, discussion of the plot, how having had that discussion with me like six months ago, what what's changed? How how um, do, do you feel any different about it now that we've reset and are watching the episodes in in sequence? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, as far as like the serial rewatcher in me, I've serially rewatched this episode like way more than ever. Because like I said, for like 10 years, I've been watching this every Halloween. This was kind of my go to pop it on for Halloween. So this is a not only the first time I've watched it like non Halloween time of year, but also in the context of the show and like looking for different things. And and now you have like context for the rest of the episode. So that was like a really fun. This was like watching it anew with new eyes for the first time again. So that was, that was uh, 
something you know you always try to get that back with everything you love right every movie every book you read you just want that again so thanks mike for uh, letting <laughs> delivering that to me somehow i think that's also a really good tell for good content if you can go back and rewatch it and no matter how many times you've watched it you you notice something new or you appreciate something yeah. new each time i think that's one of those really great markers for how something can be truly like evergreen and and why it ages so well, why it's still relevant, why people still like it, you know, almost Truly. 20 years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a horrifying yeah. thought. <laughs> well, I mean, I claim that this is my favorite episode and there's, you know, there's definitely like, quote unquote, cooler episodes of this show. But but for me, this one is like one I can always go back to. I can tell anyone to watch it. Um, and actually, it, it might seem at first blush that you're like, oh, I'm missing a lot. I don't know who a lot of these characters are. But really, this is an introduction for like two new characters of the show. We haven't seen, I think it's so cool what Mike was talking about the slow burn. We haven't seen Sentinel Prime in an episode since like the first five minutes of the pilot episode. So they're bringing him back. And this answers a question that we've had since the very first scene of the show is what is the backstory between Optimus and Sentinel that they have this kind of rivalry and we're getting to see it play out here. So very exciting, mm -hmm. very, very like patient storytelling here. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely playing the long game, which mm -hmm. I, I really like. And, and, and again, at risk of repeating myself, that that's something that I didn't understand when I watched this episode six months ago and now watching it again uh, on on our animated journey, I, I have such a depth of appreciation for it for for the patience to uh, to really set the table. Um, so that being said, let's uh, let's get into um, the actual plot. We uh, we start at at spooky, scary Halloween times, which yes. I, I I do think is an interesting <laughs> contrast because we, when we talked about the previous episode, Nanosec, it, it's like vague Fourth of July with with uh, fireworks. So one one of the tenets of discussion we have here is like how much time has passed. What how how does time pass in New Detroit? It's it, it's always a a question without answers, but I'll never not call it out. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so so we start at uh, um, at, at what like a, a county fair type of pumpkin I, I, patch esque thing. Yeah, <laughs> pumpkin patch for sure. Yeah, I mean the first patch. shot we get is like a zoomed in on a pumpkin, and I was like, that made me so happy. That was just like, okay, I know what we're getting into right off the bat. Yeah, you're like, oh, baby, I remember when my parents would take me to these things. I know exactly where we are and what is going to happen yeah. here. Well, it was almost the equivalent of like in the Halloween movie, the John Carpenter one, where like the opening sequence is like the jack-o'-lantern for like 20 minutes, I think it's on screen. But Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's about. Right. But for me, it was a throwback to that. I was like, okay, right off the bat, we know what we're getting into. Bring it on. So we start with uh, Sorry Sumdak, our our resident little troublemaker stinker character, um, and she is uh, chatting with Bumblebee and Bulkhead and Optimus, and just kind of talking about the concept of, of Halloween and the ritual of choosing uh, the right pumpkins. Like too round, too orange, too normal. <gasps> yeah, that's the one. And they uh, finally settle on the right one just in time for lovable uh, doofus bulkhead to uh, uh, to squish it and, and completely ruin it. 
yeah, classic, classic bulkhead move there. Just has to, just has to wreck something. He's the Wreck-It Ralph of this show and just giving us what we, <laughs> giving us what we want, I guess. Yeah. And I, I like this, uh, this conversation between Sorry and Optimus where he's just like, so the purpose of this Halloween is to disguise yourself in order to frighten strangers and extort sugar infused nuggets. <laughs> while we're while yeah. it, we're uh, we're in disguise, and and it kind of underscores uh, something that Lita said a moment ago, because like in in this world of TFA, the Autobots are out. In fact, actually, in in this context, in this continuity, the Autobots are straight up superheroes. They, they're they're considered uh, kind of um, aspirational figures, and and are known entities to the world so they they don't hide and they're um routinely participating in in crime fighting they're they're very much superheroes which is which is a um kind of a a really cool new take but i i do kind of like that this little bit of legislation here where there's almost this wink and a nod about optimus talking about being in disguise you know <laughs> as, as they're as they're pursuing the, the the sugary nuggets yeah and i was like oh does this mean we're gonna get like a funny little um sequence of them in their car modes <laughs> going and asking for candy because technically they're in disguise but <laughs> thankfully we didn't do that <laughs> oh that's good that's just good writing <laughs> No, I think that's gold. I'm, I'm now. I don't like this episode actually because that's oh, not what I'm shoot. Now. You ruined it. That'll <laughs> be the next podcast. We'll do a rewriting session. Yeah, there, oh, we, there we go. Quick, where are my notes? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're having this conversation about choosing uh, the the right costume. The importance of choosing uh, the right costume, which is obviously a ritual of Halloween. Uh, but Optimus is distracted by a uh, large black widow spider and this triggers what is the first of many flashbacks and you know coming off of uh the thrill of the hunt the the ratchet episode rotten with flashbacks this has just as many and the thing that that really struck a chord with me this time around now that i have context and i've seen the cadence of the and the flow of the show it's like how many of these Autobots have deep trauma that have deep hurting, deep hurting. It's like this, 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 them. this entire <laughs> crew seems to be deeply traumatized. Is it like, Transformers if they're not all emotionally damaged? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Can't we just have one purely happy, joy-filled Transformer? With the frizz? No way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mike, before we get into the flashback, I want to mention that we have like a, I thought last episodes was a huge uh, voice acting powerhouse. This one blows it out of the freaking water. So we haven't talked about uh, Sari, her voice, um, but she's voiced by Tara Strong, uh, AKA Tara Sharendoff, who's voiced everything ever. You definitely have a favorite Tara Strong voice. She's definitely done something you've known. She's been a voice actor um, since 1987. Mm -hmm. uh, her very first gig was a voice on the cartoon My Pet Monster. But since then, she's just been very active. She does video game voices. She is the voice of Ben 10, my Ben 10. 
she's the voice of Raven in Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. Best character, by the way. Hi, I'm Tara. You do my voice? You don't sound like me. I'm versatile. I used to do this voice a lot. Yeah, I wish you'd seen it. And pretty Pegasus. Whoa. Um, Kylie Griffin from a little show called Extreme Ghostbusters, which was also way in my wheelhouse when I was a kid. And um, like Bumper Robinson, she also has a lot of live action stuff under her belt, uh, including one of my favorite movies, but I guarantee no one's seen it and you probably shouldn't see it. Uh, National Lampoon Senior Trip, which was also the first movie for a young Jeremy oh, Renner. Surprise, surprise. Oh, interesting. Look at that yeah. little fun fact. Yeah, so she's just the first of uh, many big voices in this episode that I was surprised. So we're going to have to do a little conjecture there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Lita, do you happen to have a uh, favorite Tara Strong role? I mean, Harley Quinn. Come on. Welcome to Mr. J's Carnival. You must be 74 inches tall to ride. Guests with heart conditions, vertigo, or who are not trained in martial arts should not ride. Please keep arms and hands moving at all times. Park is not responsible for any damage, loss, or injury to the neck, back, face, ribs, ghost, brain, or other vital organs. Enjoy! Yeah, great one. Like... That is just like top tier. And actually, I would say that her Miss Minutes is the saving grace for Loki for me because I did not enjoy anything about that show, but I did like her Miss Minutes. So oh, Miss Minutes there was, was that. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, tangentially speaking here, I uh, also wasn't a huge fan of Loki. So I'm glad to hear, uh, you know. You know, just once again, putting myself out there, painting myself as a target, did not like Loki. <laughs> come after me <laughs> you will get mail uh knowing this show you will get mail so it's true well, it is what it is it, it, it is it is very i'll put true. it with all my other what do you mean you haven't read more than meets the eye like how dare you no, yeah. i'll put it in that pile <laughs> the, the along with all my letters flowing, yes. <laughs> yes along with all yours <laughs> um you know it's it's it, it's very uh it's basic i'm very much a basic bitch i uh, i really like tara strong's take on batgirl uh, Batgirl is is one of my favorite Ooh, yeah. characters, and I've I've always liked her uh, take on it. It's not it it's not big or flashy or really anything, but I just I I always thought it was just a really earnest performance that that I've always really liked. Well, I think that's one of the best things about her voice acting talent. It always comes off pretty like effortless, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like some people have that style where they're definitely putting on a voice or they're really, really on. And some people are just sort of like more conversational just to play off their own voice. And those are the ones that I kind of appreciate more. Um, they just a little more down to earth and realistic and add a little gravity to their characters. And just talk about a chameleon, like just think of the diversity and range of the different vocal performances she's given us. I think, I mean, she's, she is without a doubt, just a legend and a, a Titan of the voiceover industry. So or voice actor industry, I should say. So yeah, it, it's it's really cool that yeah she's a she's a part of this alongside like the great David Kay and many others who when I was like peeping the the cast list there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's the thing. And one of the the things we've discussed as we've gone on this TFA journey is it's a it's a stacked cast, and and this really feels like of its time kind of time kind of uh time capsule like i i don't i don't know if you could get this same group of folks in the in the same cast at the same time 
uh, today. It, it makes it feel very special, especially with the, like the rotating cast of uh, guest stars as well. It's um, uh, TFA feels very uh, special in that you know, with, uh, with guest stars of the week and, and, uh, things like that. But again, stacked, uh, stacked voice cast. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, going down that rabbit hole with me. Um, it's, <laughs> it's about to happen again in about three seconds, but <laughs> I love a good um, rabbit hole. Let's do it. Yeah. So as Mike was saying, we get, uh, Optimus seeing the spider, which triggers the flashback. Um, and yeah, I had the same feeling as you, especially coming off of thrill of the hunt. I was like, here we go. Deep hurting. We're right back into it. Uh, someone's going to get tortured a little bit. Um, so we have Optimus and Alita one, which is obviously why we have Lita here. They're on an alien planet and they come across a spider web, just like Optimus did in present day. And right, right away, we have to go into another big voice actor thing here because as Alita one, we have Cree summer who, if you don't know who that is, she's also the voice of everything. And she's actually been voicing things since 1983. She was Penny and inspector gadget, which is like one of my very first cartoons I ever watched. And I loved Penny. So that, tracks she was also princess nisa in the ewoks animated series she's been dulcie the dragon in sonic the hedgehog and the good sonic the hedgehog not the cheap channel nine <laughs> sonic the hedgehog um she was chloe on sabrina the animated series she was valerie and danny phantom which i love danny phantom danny phantom's right up there with ben 10 for me so like that's in the same level yeah and then her probably her like biggest in my opinion uh, role was Princess Kida in Atlantis, which is probably my Ooh, number two yeah. favorite Disney movie of all time. Yes, yes. Can we get some snaps around for that? Man, yeah. people sleeping on Atlantis, the Lost Empire. I remember seeing that in theaters and forever being changed. One of the greatest things Disney animation came out with in that time period. It's mm-hmm. so also slept good. on along with Treasure Planet, but that's a whole other oh. discussion. <laughs> Yeah, I'm huge Treasure Planet fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say that's probably my number one, actually. But Atlantis yeah. is my number two. Even though it's basically uh, an animated version of Stargate, uh, it's still still super good. Hey, it's still a great story. And Stargate is awesome in every form. So why that's not? <laughs> Let's have one for the kids. I, know, I Get love them on Stargate early. a lot, too. <laughs> Stargate holds a special spot in our family, for sure. <laughs> Well, well, speaking of speaking of Stargate, uh, Cree Summer is also the sister of Rainbow uh, Franks, uh, a former cast member of Stargate Atlantis, which is in turn obviously a spinoff of Stargate SG One, um, on which Gary Chalk, Optimus Primal himself, was a semi regular uh, playing Colonel Chekhov. So, oh my! The God. three we degrees of Transformers strikes again <laughs> in the Transformers continuum. <laughs> And and I'll do you one better. That this is a a special one for for the Mike Seibert stands out there. Uh, Cree Summers' uh, father, Don Franks, was the first actor to play Boba Fett in the infamous uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. No, you are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Yes. Oh, wow. yes, my God. So, so, so Cree Summer's full, full name is Cree Summer Franks. And, oh. and her father was Don Franks. That's crazy. And and so, yeah, so it, it's like it was like so, so many convergence of of, of so many uh, different things. I had I, I had this uh, tweet that I had found on IMDb that I want to run by you guys, because like it, it 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 hit me funny when I first read it. Uh, but uh, but Cree Summer had this to say on her experience as a voice actor, quote, 
I was an only child for 10 years. I didn't start school until I was eight, but I didn't have TV for years. So I found all these voices when playing with my toys. They're really my toys voices. Schizophrenia comes in handy. <laughs> so, so, so that last line kind of made me mildly uncomfortable, but, um, but you know, it's, it, it's a different time and, and folks of a, of a certain age have, have certain attitudes and mentality, but it, but it is fascinating. You, we talk about, you know, a lot of these, these voice actors and how they have so many different disparate voices and characters in their head. So I thought it was, I, I thought it was interesting for, for Cree Summer to uh, mention that so matter of factly uh, about how, yeah. how she comes up with all of these uh, different things. Uh, she was also, uh, cause I, I'm just reading uh, cast list. She was also Elmira on Tiny Toons and Hyena on Gargoyles. And, uh, and, and of all oh, things, Gargoyles. Yeah, Gargoyles, yeah, yeah. That's right. And, uh, and, and, and the weird thing also is, uh, uh, you know, everybody's got like weird, um, uh, obscure uh, cast notes. She's the green M&M. No Are way. you serious? The sexy as in one? Like, as in like the sexy <laughs> one? <laughs> yeah. yes. Tucker Carlson's nemesis? The one Are you kidding? Away from us? <laughs> yes. Bet you didn't think M&Ms were pushing intolerance, but they were. They've been changed. You're seeing the changes right now on your screen. The green M&M, you will notice, is no longer wearing sexy boots. Now she's wearing sensible sneakers. Why the change? Well, according to M&Ms, quote, we all win when we see more women in leading roles because leading women do not wear sexy boots. Leading women wear frumpy shoes. The frumpier, the better. That's the rule. Blood feud, blood feud. <laughs> that guy fucking sucks. Jail immediately. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're, we're uh, you know, I, I'll talk about this when we get to the end of the episode and we talk about like things that we have coming up, but but the 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 tucker thing just kind of rattled something loose that like you know we're uh um so pissed off with right-wing media are we that we're going to have a reunion of mike and the earth sparkles and we're we're going to talk about the other <laughs> other half of season one of transformers earth spark including um how uh conservative media is just assholes and uh i i, I think we I, should just label it as fit as fuck turfs and that'll just be the episode title <laughs> Ooh, there we go People know what they're getting into right away. Mike It'll and be the very Earth clear. Sparkles fuck turfs. <laughs> That's the episode title. I, I, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, it's like we, I, I think it's it's a weird cosmic kismet type of thing where it's like, you know, I, I've, I've been super busy, haven't had time. Um, and I, I know uh, General Techno has, has really been beaten down the door. It's like, come on, man, let's talk about the Earth Spark. And, uh, but now like uh, with, with Nightshade being so much in the news cycle it's like we can't not talk about them and it's uh um uh, definitely a different thing for a different time but we'll uh um i i want to hype that up when we when we get to the end of uh this episode but yeah so so but yeah um uh cree summer very uh prolific uh voice actor and uh quite the stacked resume and and lita being the uh number one alita one stan where you've had different iterations of Alita One, not speaking to the character, because I know you will have opinions and, oh you, and, you, and you will have plenty of time and opportunity to air those <laughs> opinions. I, I promise you. But um, but like just like right up top here, 
how do you, how do you feel about this uh, this voice performance? How do you feel about this vocal take on Alita One? So it's it feels wrong to ever question a titan like Chris Summers, but for me personally. I wasn't that on board with it. And I remember listening to like different clips and like seeing different videos and stuff again back in the day and being like, oh, I don't know if that really fits. And then watching it in the context, I was still kind of like, oh, I don't know if this fits. Now, granted, when we get to the Black Arachnia portion, I thought her performance there was bang on. Like that was like my everything. I loved it. But in terms of Alita 1, I wasn't quite buying it. And again, I have like more reasons for that, like down the road, but as like a first knee jerk reaction, I was like, Ooh, still, still not, still not really, you know, digging it, unfortunately, but black arachnia, love it. Couldn't get enough of it. It definitely feels like uh, she was cast first as black arachne because it's a black arachnia voice. Yes. Boom. Like nailed it. Spot on. Good, good choice. But yeah. And then they're like, Oh, you also have to play this flashback character so right which is probably why it's like well thankfully it's it's a very short time that you'll be this this character so it's like i can forgive that but you know again i've i've now become such a glutton with the amount of alita alita content i have at my fingers it feels wrong of me to to question and criticize but i will so you're you're the elitist if you will oh my god (laughs) Elitist one. Elitist one. Oh, <laughs> that is uh god. that's going in no, the bio that... for sure. Oh god, that sounds so right wing though. I want to be like, I'm not <laughs> the elitist one I, I am not elitist. <laughs> I'm an elitaist. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> We're not about that life. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. I had to do it, couldn't help myself. A- absolutely. Hilarious. Well, well and, and it and it's interesting, like so so Lita, you you had invoked the the black arachnia of it all and for us we've only met black arachnia once before and that's in the pilot and even then it's it's just really she's getting in a a tiff with uh, with with blitzwing and lugnut and really there isn't a whole lot there and then the the character just kind of disappears for like a half dozen episodes um so having that in context it was it was interesting to come back so many episodes later for this this to be a origin story but yeah it is it is interesting to come back to these characters now so we're we're still kind of in this first flashback and basically uh, the trio of uh Sentinel Optimus and Alita 1 they're in these caves there's there's like a a crashed Decepticon ship uh, full of uh, energy goodness that uh, uh, that 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 Sentinel favorite is. line of the whole show right there energy goodness is that an actual what my ignorance is showing is that an actual line it's what he said yeah it's it's oh, not a thing but he made it a thing <laughs> oh yeah that's right that's right energy goodness I got a good feeling about this any cycle now we're gonna be overflowing with rich all spark infused energy goodness. And um, Alita just just pops right off it. She's like, "Did you really just say inner Johnny goodness?" Oh, that's yeah, right. Totally yep. calls him out on it too. Yeah, which I have to record scratch the episode one more time because now we need to talk about Sentinel Prime. Uh, not only because mm. he is my favorite character in this whole show, believe it or not, but. I learned a lot about him from this uh, episode that I didn't know before. Um, so I knew he was designed based on the tick. 
but I didn't know it was the same voice actor as the Tick animated series, which is Townsend Coleman. I think that's so cool that they got him to actually do it. As destiny has her hand on my back and she's pushing face to face with the legendary terror. Um, he's also a huge prolific voice actor because he's been voicing characters since 1985. And this is where my mind was totally blown because he was the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. This is the voice of my childhood. This is who I based my whole persona around. What? And I didn't know this until I just found this out. That oh, tubuloso dudes, check this out. Big Pizza Bake Off free samples and deluxe pizza prizes pizza tossing mike himself is sentinel prime yeah yeah so that like what an upgrade we love that I for know. him <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean i i wrote down this literally the most influential character from my childhood um i have you know michelangelo action figures uh, my love of pizza i mean it all comes from this your name <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i had to retroactively get my parents to change it to mikey uh based Worth on it. <laughs> no but uh, all right that's not true um but i wanted to mention one thing that he did voice michelangelo in outside of the michelangelo cartoon i don't know if anyone remembers this or has heard of it but there was something called cartoon all-stars to the rescue does anyone remember what this is it was basically like Live Aid no. for cartoon characters. It was oh, like a special you know commission of the Reagan administration during like the drug, just say no time. Say no to drugs thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they got all these cartoon characters in the same episode to like come to life Toy Story style and help this kid uh, not start using drugs. Um, so Mikey was uh, the voice of Mikey in that or Townsend Coleman. Um, and then there was also like Elf and Garfield and Winnie the Pooh. And they had all the vo voice actors from that show, like come and do this show. Um, it was huge at the time. And even like President Reagan was on the show, like talking about drug problems. So uh, I'm sure it's I've only ever seen it as like, yeah, I've seen it as a clip on like YouTube or like in, in GIFs and stuff like that. I've never actually seen the episode, but that is so cool. But I mean, for the time, it was almost like the Avengers, right? Because all these properties mm -hmm. had to come together. I mean, remember when the Avengers, they're like, this will never happen because you have to get the rights to like all these things. And then it happened. That's what it was like. It was like all these, you know, Daffy Duck's not in the same studio as Winnie the Pooh, as is the Muppets. I mean, it's fascinating. Oh God. I don't even want to think about all the copyright that they had to go <laughs> exactly. to. You'd, <laughs> like, yeah, you'd know. <laughs> oh, my God. No, kill me. <laughs> right. <laughs> So now we've finally gotten through the voice acting work, but I just I just think this is like a triple threat as far as voice actors. We had to we had to mention that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's it's almost accidentally a sentinel spotlight as well as a uh, black arachnia origin. So yeah, so th this in 23 minutes, they do a lot of heavy lifting. And that's the thing that I still admire so much about, about TFA and specifically Marty Eisenberg's writing is that he crams a lot into a short amount of time. It's like, you know, this, uh, uh, looking at our current trajectory, this episode is going to be well over two hours, probably our longest episode, uh, to date. Um, but, I think because like th there's there's so much to unpack and 
the the episode and the story is so dense with so much going on that there there's there's just so much uh, to go through. But it feels so economical that that it's breezy. It goes at a good clip, and again, it's only twenty three minutes. It's it's you know, I, I'm blown away by how plot dense these episodes can be where like you know season three g1 episodes it's like yeah they tap out at, at 19 minutes and then it's like the quintessons are a vile race of always yeah. the transformers yeah. it's like all star wars scroll like getting you up to speed there's not like actual story <laughs> yeah. well it's incredibly because you can tell that like everything that's included is so deliberate and like you said mike like incredibly economical and like almost militant with like this happens because of this and has that domino effect without it being too too overwhelming for a child to understand and to follow and never sacrificing like a good pace like mm -hmm. i i love world building i love when things are just chock full of like you know those little nuggets of information that make the world expansive you get character expansion as well because of it but if it's too overwhelming and if there's too much you're really sacrificing on like you know plot pace like having those different cadences for emotion and things like that as well so he's really done this incredible marriage of you know all of those components into something bite-sized and tangible in 23 minutes which is nothing short of incredible especially you know and i'm sure you know michael as well being writers where it's like i just have pages and pages i will just go on for fucking ever <laughs> i don't know yeah, when to stop really. like, you know what i mean i just need to beat scaling, this point home over 200 pages is that's so much to ask. yeah well yeah and it's like i mean texting me is the worst because it's like i i give you a novel in return it's like okay edit yourself lena <laughs> so i admire anyone who can you know get their point across like not in a pithy way but in a you know deliberate and focused way concise concise yes. perhaps uh well i i'm one to talk brevity is not my first best strength so uh <laughs> as, as you all well know but on the other hand mighty marty eisenberg very very good at it just mm -hmm. in this short little back and forth with the trio we learn three big things we learn organic planets are off limit for autobots so they're there sort of illegally they're also there to see a rumored decepticon warship so we kind of get a time placement of like you know the decepticon wars over but people haven't totally forgotten about them and and it kind of goes back to optimus uh we we relearn that he's uh, you know the geek of the group he's straight edge and he's the history buff you know he's he's filling that role of like i'm here for the history lesson you know sentinel might be here for treasure but i just want to see a little bit of history and i'm willing to break the rules bend the rules to to do it yeah and and alita one is kind of in the middle right because she she also kind of sees the uh the historical value but she's also kind of like reluctantly in sentinel's camp and i kind of from there i kind of wanted to talk about this this new dynamic because traditionally alita one is uh for all intents and purposes paired with optimus you know because that that goes back to their origin their tied together origin story in wardon from generation one where they uh he used to be a dock worker named orion pax with his girlfriend ariel and they they get smoked by decepticons rebuilt by alpha trion into optimus prime and elita one respectively and well, you know, we, we discussed previously that Alita One isn't really a presence in G1, which is which is a damn shame because that concept 
of that guerrilla group on Cybertron uh, pestering Shockwave all the time. Female Autobots. I thought they were extinct. Re yeah. Really feel, feels like that. That's that's just rich for more story. And I wish we would have uh, caught back up with those folks after the movie, after season three, just to kind of see like reconnecting with a, a two front war. It's like, well, you guys have off been having earth adventures and now we had the, the threat of Unicron and now we're all kind of uh, back under the same roof. How do those groups reconcile? So yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of uh, uh, missed opportunities. Massive missed opportunity, but yeah. you know, personal bias aside. <laughs> well, and, and you could also argue not not to take it to a darker place, but since uh, any time that characters don't show up in season three, it stands to reason that they probably could be dead. You know, did did, did they get smashed by Unicron? Did Shockwave get the get the drop on them at some point? Maybe there did is. Did they just some... run out of Energon, like we saw with the War for Cybertron series? Like, there's yeah. <laughs> Oh when yeah. In doubt, so, just just when in doubt, just assume they've been fridged. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say literally. Oh. Lita, I can't. I I I, I can't <laughs> relitigate that. I mean, like, there's there's very little of this entertainment that that makes me truly angry. But like when uh, spoilers for for War for Cybertron Kingdom on on Netflix. Um, but like when you discover that Alita One has been literally not figuratively not not implied but literally fridged which uh for for uh, every podcast is somebody's first podcast uh, uh quote unquote fridging is a trope where a uh female character is either killed or otherwise disabled or depowered for the express purpose of furthering the male character's uh storyline uh you know robbing them of any kind of agency and really the the phrase came from a issue of the green lantern comic book where the green lantern's girlfriend gets murdered and stuffed in a refrigerator for for him to discover later it, it was coined by writer uh gail simone called it women in refrigerators so and now kind of we just call it fridging for short as just kind of shorthand. But like, so when, when I saw Alita one literally dead frozen in ice, I was just like, I, I got up and yelled. I was like, God damn it. I was so mad. I was so mad. All the rage like, quit was, thing, was real. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, man. So anyway, so, <laughs> so back to the first flashback of four. <laughs> yeah. We're five yeah. minutes into this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to say it picks up as we go, but I, I promise you it, it it doesn't. But 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 I, I I'm sorry, Michael Anders, I, I didn't mean to stomp on your toes here, but I did want to talk for a sec about the dynamic between Alita, Optimus, and Sentinel because it is very different than what we've seen before. It seems to me that she's with Sentinel, not so much with with Optimus. Am I um am I am I correct in interpreting it that way? That's how I kind of took it as I was kind of like, okay, Sentinel and Alita are kind of like the two pair here and Optimus feels almost kind of like a third wheel, which I think is kind of in is kind of different and like unique as well, because well, Optimus is the main character. He's the guy. He's Optimus Prime. And yet he's like kind of third willing with his two friends here who seem to have more of a understanding of each other, more of that same kind of rapport. And he's just kind of, you know, tagging along. 
it, it was like a, it's an interesting dynamic to think about and one that we haven't seen before. Yeah. I yeah, ever really. Yeah, and I was I was just thinking about like uh the dynamic in general kind of being really restrained for the time period of the of this animated series because it it seems like it, to me it should almost be, you know, like she has to pick like we should be getting a love triangle right off the bat like she should say something about easy optimus or i'm not going to pick you like i feel like every other cartoon at this time was sort of doing that thing and this is different this seems like more of um you know like a modern adult relationship you know they are all friends but maybe something's burgeoning between her and sentinel like that's really interesting uh and they don't overtly have to say any of it we just kind of get it right off the bat that's taking Mm -hmm. a lot of like you know liberties or or like putting a lot on the viewer especially for a kid's show it's also again too what i liked is you know the female character doesn't exist sole purpose for relationship fodder right it's like she kind of again even though it's short-lived she has this almost kind of agency where it's like okay we can take this as being like purely platonic with like these two other people if you want to read into it which i, I mean i'm awfully the trash so of course i do but it's like if you want to read into it if you want to project certain things onto it you can but for these express purposes what we have seen in canon to me it's coded as a platonic friendship with like you know three three pals and i have friendships like that as well so again it's one of those smart moves and almost one of those daring moves as well to not relegate female character as sole love interest or sole purpose of love interest but there's other things that you know we're kind of fumbled and we'll get to it later (laughs) (laughs) i was just thinking the three of us are almost that dynamic that's actually yes i'm like the sentinel can i be the sentinel Uh, clearly i'm optimus prime so (laughs) yeah i I was gonna say there's no there's no one else you could be Oh shit! You're right. Turn into a giant spider. God damn it! Which is fine. Again? You know, I, I, yeah. I could be a sultry spider. The second time give this week. Yeah. Come closer. I want to tell you something. Ah, give me your powers. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Femme Vitale, Mike Seibert. Yes, there it is. There we go. Finally. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, moving on with the the this flashback here. So the the three buddies are all chatting. We're and then... still in the first flashback. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> There's a lot if... to say about this episode. A lot packed. That's in. right. That's right. It's a loaded. It's a world building. It's an Eisenberg special. Yeah. Um, but the next thing they know, they fall through a sinkhole deep into the planet, and. This is where they hear the thing that scares me the most to this day. They hear the predator sound, in my opinion. There's like the the clicking sort of alien predator sound. Uh, You know something's not good. And I will say that sound terrifies me to this day. Uh, It's the sound I want to hear least when I'm outside. If I hear anything like a woodpecker and I sounds a little like the predator sound, I'm back inside. So that to me scared me even as an adult watching this show. Oh yeah, and it's it sucks because like, not that it sucks, but it's like again being prolific and things that stay with you. And again, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I love that you say predator sound because that's exactly what I thought when I was watching this episode. Then dumbass me gets up in the morning, goes hiking in the middle of like freaking canyons and forests, and I'm no. just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I would hear like little noises. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> cut it short this morning because i was like paranoid <laughs> you know looking looking in the trees to see if there's like weird movements or there are like weird yeah, bending like, right. first, you looking for the shifting first, the prison 
at first it's just like mountain lions that i would be like you know scared or like being murdered by a guy out in the middle of nowhere but now it's like oh, it's the predator yeah. <laughs> it's coming for me does <laughs> anyone those spiders because oh robot yeah. spiders <laughs> yeah does anyone know and mike i'm looking at you specifically yeah. does anyone know like where the predator sound came from or like what that is peter cullen what peter cullen is the one who yeah fun fact he created the predator noise and actually i believe no if i'm thinking back to tfcon 2015 he mentioned it during his panel that there is like these different types of crabs or something that he saw on the beach and oh. they were in the sun and they were making this kind of this crackling noise and so when he was called on to come to come in and do kind of like the monster voice work for predator he was thinking about how the mouth was kind of like crabbish and like started doing like the like oh, i can't do it but man so that was kind of the story. So again, two degrees of Transformers, it is Optimus Prime yeah. as the Predator. <laughs> I swear that's not a bit. I did not know that bit of information. That is just straight up me learning something today years that's old. That's one so of my that's little awesome. fun facts for you. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, and, and he, I mean, you know, Lita already said it, but to, but to underscore it further, he is the monster voice uh, in, in the Predator. So it's like when he's um talking as it were to uh to arnold at, at the end of the movie that that's all peter cullen like like the laugh and all that that that's that's peter cullen oh wow and what he was the voice of eeyore and winnie the pooh was in cartoon all-stars to the rescue oh my god oh my i'm not kidding when i say two degrees of transformer like it's it's we are more connected than kevin bacon at this point <laughs> like, everything links back to us kevin who man <laughs> yeah right <laughs> So we're back to the present, just to get us back, back. on track. We're back, we're back to uh, the present day. Um, and Bulkhead spooks Optimus back to reality with a classic boo. <laughs> you know, you gotta love the good Halloween boo in there. Yes. Uh, and then we get to see his ghost costume, which I think is hilarious. And it kind of sucks because it's just, it is a sheet, but yes. it can only fit on his head. And he thinks that's working. It's passing as a ghost. Uh, but... <laughs> He needs needs some work. Well, and and you know, jumping over the the uncomfortableness of of somebody wearing a white sheet over only their head. No, it's it. He's he's doing hooded Cobra Commander. You know, it's like that. That's ah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, just yes. like you know, he he. He mixed it with off colors and like, you know, he uh, he bought a hooded Cobra Commander costume off of Wish. And when he washed it, all the color drained out of it. And now, now it's white. <laughs> what I, what I ordered, what I got. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But but I just I, I love the, the subtlety of just the boo. And, and I, uh, you know, we'll see this as we go in and out of the flashbacks, the the different uh, triggers that they use to go in and out. It, it's it's very clever and uh and and very very funny uh so yeah optimus says something to the effect of like oh well you know it's just a ghost from the past uh you know making him jumpy and then he kind of uh, slinks off here but uh before we get any further i i want to talk about uh bumblebee here uh, he he is uh you know uh, he, he's dressed up as uh, as count von count He's got he's got the, the cape, he's got the fangs, and yeah. and but the thing I did not realize until we uh went through this TFA journey and especially our, our previous episode on Nanosec where we talked about Bumblebee's voice actor, uh Bumper Robinson, I didn't 
realized that he was also the voice of Blitzwing. So when he's doing like the, this, uh, the, this Count Dracula voice, he's just doing the Blitzwing voice, which just like I was watching it last night and oh, I just lost yeah. my mind. I was like, I wrote this down in all caps. I'm like, B is doing Blitzwing. <laughs> Which, which uh, th- there's fodder for you shippers out there, but um, uh, but yeah, no, I just I, I thought I just thought it was so funny. It's like, welcome, I am Count Dracula. I want to drink your motor oil. <laughs> and and it uh, yeah, it just it just uh, uh, cracks me up that uh, that again, it's it's Bumper Robinson as Bumblebee just doing a a version of uh, of the Blitzwing voice, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that is really cool. And I, I guess I kind of go into like what was going through his head that made him pick Dracula. Like that was just kind of an interesting. Uh, I mean, I know it's a very classic movie monster, but like good choice. Good choice. I just kind of want to know why. Now that I've seen this episode a billion times, it's like I want to dig into the psychology of why Bumblebee picked Dracula. But I mean, who uh, doesn't want to be a menace with their friends with the cool fangs and the cape that you can just dramatically thrash about? Like, I know that's why I would... It's the cape. That actually makes sense to me. Yeah, It's either that or Frankenstein, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Right. In terms of the the classics. I'll be honest. I, I, I really want to get uh, Dracula's the you know mind wipe retool as uh, as mm. Dracula. Yeah, um, I, I hear the the figure is just fine. I don't really have any tether to to Dracula or mind wipe, but I want the cape so that I could put it on my Bumblebee figure. Yeah, that's I, customization. I need yes. to do that. <laughs> I was gonna say like tangentially while we're on the topic of uh, Halloween costumes, there's this one shot where you, and I can't remember if it's before this scene or after, so I apologize if I'm jumping ahead. But you see the kids like trick or treating are out in their costumes. One of them is just straight up like Soviet Union. <laughs> I'm like, this is very dated to the times, is it not? We have a little comrade on the streets. Like, oh my god. Let's hope it's a costume. <laughs> I was go- I was gonna say though, let let's crack this wide open. That is not the first time we've seen this kid. We we saw him in um, uh, Home is Where the Spark is. He's in the park where Prowl is like oh. watching the 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 um the the cat stalk yes. the bird and he's just there in this like goddamn Bernie Sanders playing with like a hammer and a scythe like what so yeah. it's so weird <laughs> well this tracks he was watching a uh, cat kill a bird and he was taking some sort of unusual enjoyment from it so oh my god <laughs> it fits it's so weird I really hope, like, again, I know nothing of, of this series, but I hope this kid just blows it wide open and he's secretly, like, this Russian sleeper agent and he's, yeah. like, watching. Oh, no. They say one word and he kills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that means goodbye. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, write that I down for it. when we rewrite this series. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a plot point. <laughs> Russian kid, sleeper cell agent. <laughs> <laughs> Click clack. <laughs> so y'all talking about those costumes, but I want to talk about Bulkhead's uh, new and improved ghost costume because yes. I think we're overlooking what is actually the scariest costume in this episode. Because Horrific. just from its, I mean, it's a fumigation tent. Yeah, that he turned into a ghost, but it's like this weird carnival, uh, <laughs> Beetlejuicean sort of. Yes. It's got the actual it fumes. Tent. It's got it bugs falling out of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh scary. My God. 
gross. And I'm also, I love that they kind of went pig pen with it, where it's like the fumes just continue to waft, <laughs> yeah. like, throughout. <laughs> yes. I'm like, so Sari's gonna die, right? Like, is no one right, talking right. about how he is legitimately poisoning everyone in New Detroit like, with every step he takes? <laughs> like, yes. My brother in Christ, that's why the tents exist. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't wait. Uh, so so Michael Andrews, I, the the name is eluding me. The the uh, uh, the news guy that that we talked about previously. Oh, Lester Black. Lester Black. Uh, no relation to Prometheus Black. Got it. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So I, I'm waiting for like a Lester Black uh, TV thing, like. Were you or a loved one exposed to the, the fumigation? <laughs> fumigation. Where, yeah. Where where were you on Halloween night of, of 2157 with the with the giant robot walking around looking like Pigpen? And it's not it's not just the, the fumigation, it's it's also like cockroaches. It's like an endless supply of cockroaches that just keep falling yeah. out of this cartoonishly large You may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> brilliant um, brilliant but yeah i i I also like how Bulkhead is just so agreeable here because like, you know, sorry, in between coughing and wheezing because she's being actually poisoned by her friends here. Getting fucking cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we shouldn't be laughing that hard at that because, no. uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, no, it's like, oh, yeah, that, cancer isn't funny. <laughs> that little girl's got to get cancer. Well, you know, and that's, that's the least of her problems in this, uh, this particular episode who boy um i i have thoughts uh later but um but but it's interesting because she's like um well where where did you get that sheet well i just grabbed it he's like and and she's like well that's not a sheet that's a fumigation tent and and uh uh uh, bulkhead going full patrick here is just like oh (laughs) wait what's a fumigation tent you know it's like he goes along with it and then realizes oh wait a sec what I wish he would have clapped back and like, why are you guys so mean to me? Like you complain about my first ghost costume. Now this one's not good enough. Like, Jeez. I'm sorry, but party party city was like out of everything on Halloween night. Spirit Halloween has nothing. Like I had to make do. Okay. Yeah. The XL to the power of nine ghost costume yeah. was all sold out. <laughs> yeah. It's like we, we have very limited options on to what I can do here. So <laughs> I appreciate, you know what? Everyone had a homemade costume at one point. Yes. I yes. respect it. Yeah. Now, then again, none of us used a fumigation tent with like a billion dead cockroaches, but yeah. hey, to each their own. Horrifying will haunt my dreams, and yeah, yet I that also want it to be noise. a cosplay. <laughs> Fumigation not included. It's, it's a low key terrifying episode. This is like actual nightmare fuel. It's For like real. you know we we've talked about uh, deep trauma and deep hurting in other episodes, but yeah, th- this is just straight up nightmare fuel. And with uh, with Bulkhead here, you know, I, I know you said we should uh, get clap back here, but you know, he's going to get the, the last laugh. They all got cancer. So it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. He gets the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, uh... yeah. So anyway, so, so we're, so we're back at the Autobot base, right? Yeah. Well, uh, so they, they've shown off their costume. Sorry's not ready to be- reveal her costume quite yet. Um, right. but she does, this is important to note. She does use her key, uh, drink, uh, to swing a fake fight, uh, fake spider in front of Optimus. 
once again pranking him with her key. I, I think this moment's cute, and it's also, uh, Lita, this happens a lot. She abuses her power, so this is like our drinking game on the show when anyone, when whenever oh, Sari misabuses her key power. But, uh, but it, Mike, as we've been talking about, it's interesting the key lets her do this. Right. Yes. Because now we know the key's working through action and inaction and it's making conscious choices. It's can't you can't just do whatever you want with it. So but it let her do this. And I can't help but think it's tied to this traumatic backstory that Optimus has. Absolutely. Mm. Well, and I think also the the other thing to underscore here is like so Optimus snaps into his trauma very quickly, like instinctively whips out the axe like a switchblade and makes short work of this to where it's like, you know, is he does he have like some unresolved trauma there? Because that that's kind of like a disproportionately violent response, like his instinct is to call the axe. And to uh, you know, you know, bring bring the hammer down on that, and and it's interesting because like there, there's a little bit of dialogue here uh, between Optimus and Sari where she's like, um, "Oh, hey man, I I, I was just uh, um, funning with you," and he's like, "Somehow I think when the All Spark powered your key, it had something more in mind than Halloween fun. You really shouldn't use it unless it's absolutely necessary." And I think this is kind of like one of our first acknowledgments of this, where Optimus is aware that she has the key, aware that she's using it and how she's using it. And he even calls out here, you know, man, that that might not be such a, a great use of the key. And speaking of clapbacks, Sari immediately comes back and says, Hello, how necessary was it to use your axe on a fake spider? And as someone who has been with this iteration of Optimus for nine episodes, I I now have a, a disproportionate amount of affection for Optimus Prime's axe. I think that's is almost of an iconic weapon as his ion blaster. Um, and you can't change my mind because it, it, it goes all throughout canon. But um, I wrote in my notes, uh, sorry, slander of the axe will not stand exclamation point <laughs> justice for the axe <laughs> yeah because she because she is just she's just i mean she's in the wrong here but she finds a way to to turn it back on him and uh and and, and flips him some shit here but it's well, also interesting about... because from her sorry to cut you off but it's like from her point of view she's absolutely right like he completely eviscerates a halloween decoration with a show of force that was beyond what would be considered like a normal fright or scare right so i do like it, it's an interesting clapback but it's one where it's like both sides have a point here like i yeah you, you yeah you both are correct <laughs> <laughs> right well and, sadly <laughs> and mike you were asking me like what did you find different watching it this time versus all the other time and since we've been talking about uh what we know about the key and how the key works in mysterious ways when optimus said that line of like somehow i don't think that's what the all spark had in mind um i was like how dare you how dare you know <laughs> deign to know uh what the, this incarnation of your god uh does or does not do yeah so I that yeah. sort of moment of like don't tell her what it does and does this thing is beyond all of our understanding yeah i mean it's not like the all spark imprinted on optimus it imprinted on sorry yeah sorry is the one that has the connection to the all spark not optimus i mean sure he was around when it when you know he kind of got blowed up when it when it opened but still i don't I, I agree with you michael andrews i don't think he has 
that right. And the thing that, that's interesting here is the the recontextualization of what it means to be prime. Um, Optimus Prime is not quite the same guy that he is in traditional Transformers continuity. Um, thus far from what I've seen, I don't know if the Matrix is even a, con uh, a, a concept here in TFA, but I know that from what I've seen in these nine episodes, Optimus doesn't have it. He's a, he's just a dude. Um, yeah. And in fact, actually kind of like a screw up and kind of a washout, which we kind of kind of see some uh, in this episode here. But he's he's not the Jesus like figure uh, doing DoorDash there as, as he's <laughs> he's not space Jesus like uh, like he is in more uh, traditional Transformers continuity. So so it's yeah. interesting to see him kind of stick his neck out here like this. Yeah. Right, right. In this show, Prime is just a rank, like a military rank. That's why we also have Sentinel Prime existing at the same time. And it's not even the highest rank. Actually, in this world, the highest uh, rank, what would be the Prime and other continuities is Magnus. Ultra Magnus is uh, mm -hmm. sitting at the top of the Pantheon, which I love. Bring it on. <laughs> so we go we from this we get the next flashback um yep. we're, but we're back to the past uh they are the autobots are patrolling the tunnels that they discovered through the sinkhole and they got their cool lights that's what i wrote down in all caps mm -hmm. was they have those cool like shoulder lights yeah, the shoulder i was really lights. digging those very asymmetrical yeah. too you know kind of kind of like uh uh the g-axis figure you know where it's just like one yeah. thing on one shoulder it's yeah kinda neat. yeah it's so cool and and sentinel wants to find the decepticon ship for the energon Mike, this is where he specifically says the Energy Goodness line. Energy Goodness. And I like that line. I wanted to mention now that we've established it. It's a very tick esque line. Like this is a very <laughs> this is straight up the tick thing to say. And then we start getting these like classic horror moments, right? We're down in this dark cave. We have sounds in the dark. There's a creature scuttling by in the background. It's very like, uh, you know, alien or something. Um, just we don't see the monster right away but then you do see the monster and i wrote down shit it's spiders because then i mean i should have known by now but now it's real right like now it's not just a stuffed animal we have an actual spider and i had i had my uh, indiana jones moment of like why does it always have to be spiders yeah. <laughs> as someone who has arachnophobia i am very much not liking the robot spider version of the organic <laughs> kind we have. I'm like, what could be worse than a spider? A robot one. <laughs> yeah. And as someone who has arachnophobia on VHS starring Jeff Daniels, I'm also excellent. very scared. <laughs> Ex excellent film. I think that's where it yeah. developed, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Watched it when I was like five. <laughs> I often wonder if arachnophobia existed before that movie. Like, I feel like that name kind of put the the disorder on the map but that's the name of the movie yeah <laughs> hey great we'll just call it that that's what we should call that disorder based based on the movie of the same name based oh on uh, the novel push by sapphire um uh, but... <laughs> so <laughs> wow. she's not fridge though oh, it's just webbed right. so Dude you know cuts, step up call back <laughs> <laughs> <It burns. laughs> uh, sentinel rushes over to free her using his power the shield i think this is where we are learning a little bit more about autobots and their powers and how it's fitting to their namesake i mean this is very fitting for sentinel right it's nightly it's defensive it it embodies the sentinel ideal and we've seen these individual autobot powers before in the lockdown episode but now we're getting to learn a little bit more about them about the lore and, and how they're connected to the name and how they choose them uh, and I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And Alita intends to use her power on the giant spider. 
and we're gonna we're about to see what Alita's power is. But I think this is so great because right here we have Optimus mansplaining her own power to her that it won't Classic work on Optimus. organics. <laughs> Classic like, Optimus. Nice. First with sorry, trying to gaslight her into what the Allsport <laughs> can and cannot do. Now with Alita, wait, Alita, like, you know what? the power you've had your entire life. That's not how it works. I actually know how to use it better. Like, yeah. Let me how show much you. Time do you have actually? <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me let me sit down and then I'll spread my legs first so I can <laughs> <laughs> exactly. just take a the most exactly. amount of room, be the most obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you course... use that power to use your power of making sandwiches? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quit your bitching, get in the kitchen. Like it's like stop, stop. It's only Speaking okay because I'm a woman. I can say it. <laughs> but of course, this is not her plan. She is using this uh, her power on an unconscious sentinel, and uh, we learn that her power is basically a rogue from X-Men, but for Transformers, yeah. she can like zap their powers. And I was trying to think of the connection here to her name. So like Alita mm -hmm. one, this is a very unique power. So maybe that's where the namesakes coming in. Right. Um, this is sort of like, we we're kind of joking about it earlier, but sort of an elitist 1%, like you're the only one that can do this. Um, spoilers. We don't really see this existing anywhere else in the series. Um, so so I wonder I would... if that's her special ability. So what I would say, actually, because I had a similar train of thought and I wrote it down in one of my notes here, Alita in Latin translates to chosen, so chosen one. So I was like, oh, her power is like a chosen ability. Like she chooses to take what others have chosen for themselves, essentially. So I was like, maybe oh, that's the that. correlation. Yeah. Maybe I'm oh, reading totally far too fits. much into it, but you know my job no no yeah i guess i guess earmuffs mike but but we learned that the that their names are directly correlation with their abilities and they're actually given their uh names based on their abilities so so this is, uh, yeah that would, that would be it. interesting and i did not know that so that's a cool little fact that i learned as well yeah awesome uh so well, alita gets sentinel's shield um but she turns it up to 11 like she just boom it's like a it's like a way better shield like this uses is, it better than he does yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she saves the guys, which I love, but only for a second, because then more spiders arrive. My uh, breathing quickens even heavier, uh, <laughs> more spiders. And and Sentinel, I think in an unusual show of selfless heroics, he fends them off and tells the others to go on without him. And I thought that was really cool. I liked seeing Sentinel have a nice moment. Usually he's just kind of a cocky douchebag. Um, but here he sort of like saves them. And I, and I really liked that. And I just thought like, what a great character though because become from he's so well written because from the first time we see this character we kind of get his whole deal right he's cocky brash he's headstrong headstrong and he has a problem with optimus but now you know nine episodes in we're already getting to turn that on his ear just because in such a short time we've kind of known what we need to know about this guy we can already twist it i think that's just superb writing no exactly and again it kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier with them being this close trio and stuff like that with him being in this protector role and like protecting maybe not so much optimus but like making sure alita can get out of there it's like my objective here is that she can can get away from the situation i'm the one who is currently going to assure that and have that assurance yeah which again is like you know later on when optimus clearly drops the ball and she is in peril it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay we're back at square one i <laughs> double dog hate you now yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. you know what i mean Seriously. it's like you had one job optimus 
Well, and, and one uh, one brief thing I wanted to touch on here, you know, we were talking about the Autobot special abilities and there there is something definitely uniquely special about Alita One's ability um, because every special power we've seen so far is external. Like it's, it's a, it's a bit of hardware. It's a bit of kit, you know, whether it's like uh, Optimus's grapplers, Sentinel shields, uh, Bumblebee stingers, uh, uh, Ratchet's uh, EMP blaster, you know, that kind of thing. It's, or even later his, his magnetic powers, but they're all like handheld items and, or, or at least, some kind of external thing. This this is the the first I think that it's a true like X Men superpower that that's something beyond just yeah. like or or even like uh like Prowl's decoys. You know that that's still like it, it's it's on a different level. It's like an external thing. Whereas this is like something like you know very internal. That's like very much like a part that's 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 uniquely her, which I I, I thought that was a uh, uh, very fascinating. I also thought like maybe this is kind of their way of doing almost a callback to Alita One's time stop power in you know G one mm-hmm. that we saw where it's like it's very much kind of like this internal power that she has that like kind of like comes from her spark or whatever is like directly tied to her life force so without giving her that exact same ability because clearly that would have drastically altered the plot. I kind of thought like to myself, oh, maybe this is kind of their way of like giving her that uniqueness, that that oneness and a little bit of an Easter egg callback to it being like internal versus the external in terms of like special ability. Yeah. Again, oh, reading yeah, far too it. much into it. No, that's what we're here. That's what we're here to do. It's literally why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "How granular do we want to get?" Because you want to take this at surface go. level, get the fuck out. Yeah, this is not the podcast for you. We're going to the quantum level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're going, yeah, going you to the quantum realm. Was just the beginning. Oh man. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, so so uh, like you had said, Michael Andrews, you know, uh, Sentinel kind of covers their um, retreat and Optimus rolls out and Alita along with him and she she calls out his name. She says like Optimus and that kind of gives our transition back out of the flashback. And uh, and we see that uh, that Sari has emerged, and now it's Sari calling Optimus's name, and uh, now it's time to show off her costume. Yes, which was and so I love, sweet. I love this moment so much, uh, Lita. You don't even know how adorable this is because we've been seeing so far in these episodes just these little subtle scenes of how much Sari looks up to Optimus. Like obviously, her and Bumblebee have paired off in this show. But she respects Optimus so goddamn much. And it's just so beautiful to see like oh. like she's, you know, even in a fun, fun, funny way, she's she's uh like hero worshipping him. Yeah, uh, wants I to just like think emulate that's such him. A nice touch. And like yeah. and 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 like physically be like him, like you know, like you know, exemplify him and yeah. honor him with a costume and stuff. I was like, I was like I don't have the same um, connection with these characters because I haven't been on this journey so far for the series. But even I, I paused and I was like, oh, it's not like a grown man crying. <laughs> like- well, 
It's yeah, so I cool. think it I think it gives credence to uh, the vocal performance here, because even in the short time you've been with Sari, uh, you kind of knew that this wasn't just I'm dressing up to make fun of Optimus. This was like, uh, you know, this was uh, a, a heroic moment for her, too, and just wanting to look up to the big guy. Yeah, yeah a sweet little homage. It was it was very touching, very touching. <laughs> but I also <laughs> love her impression. Uh, la, la, la. <laughs> Oh, look at me. I'm Optimus Prime. I'm scared of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like three crying <laughs> Yeah. The great Tara Strong at it again. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and I love I love this this reaction from Optimus because I again this uh this uh tfa is starting to become god tier optimist for me because like mm. he he is a dad-like figure and there are times that he is aggressively uncool and this is one of those things where like i love this little bit of defensiveness from him he's like that's not what i sound like is it <laughs> you know that kind of, <laughs> it's like it's like defensiveness cut with self-awareness which i uh which i really appreciated but but my very favorite thing in this sequence and i didn't appreciate the impact until my rewatch you know going going through the series like you know michael andrews knows all about this but like i i as much as i uh have disproportionate affection for optimus prime's acts it literally touches my heart when every anytime optimus says transform and roll out you know because it's just like that that you know that classic iconic line that you know sparks off all the all the nostalgia you get all the serotonin and stuff and all that so when sorry says it and she's like transform and roll out it's I remember thinking it was funny when I when I saw it the first time, but seeing it this time in this context just uh, uh, just really affected me on on a whole completely different level. That um, you know I, I haven't thought about this episode in six months, so it's like it, it kind of snuck up on me. I was like, oh my god, she did the thing. That is so cool. <laughs> and it was yeah. French kiss. It was just perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I literally uh, wrote in my notes, uh, sorry, says transform and roll out cyber equals waterworks, question mark. <laughs> Definitely. It's like, this Definitely. guy's going to be, this guy's going to be blubbering. Yep. 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 <laughs> and then, and then from here, we get the best scene in any Halloween movie. This is when, you know, you've peaked Halloween. It's the town trick or treating after dark scene. It's a staple of all the movies. Um, it, it, it's tough to do it right to make it really feel like wholesome hometown Halloween. And I think this nailed it, right? We get the faraway shot. We get we get all the kids out trick or treating. Um, Comrade kid out there getting his goods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so <laughs> yeah. trick or treat. It's the KGB, right? <laughs> you know, as it is. <laughs> it's like Bern the Bernie meme. I'm no longer asking. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all your candy. <laughs> but yeah, we see. Uh, but we get a glimpse of the spider creature. Uh, shit more spiders bumblebee sees it too uh but nobody else does and i love the animation in the scene of bumblebee crawling all over bulkhead uh like he's a spider right like he's trying to like <laughs> mime what he saw and he's just doing the little like crawl all over the big guy uh it's pretty cool and then i i mentioned this in the last time we covered this mike but uh and they bring it up too but optimus has been listening in to their conversation the whole time uh, and how long Creeper. has he been doing this? Has he been Big doing Creeper this since energy. we've met these characters? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he so wants to be a part you. of it, but he doesn't want to be a part of it, like, which yeah. I can respect. Like, I'm an introvert, too. It's like, <laughs> I want to be with my friends, but I don't want to be with them. <laughs> so, right. Well, yeah. and it brought up a whole thing for me of, like, virtual trick-or-treating or, like, virtual enter- anything. Like, can we just go along for the- Is this maybe, like, the precursor to, like, watching um, – video gamers play video games on YouTube without having to actually beat the video game? Like, is he getting the experience of trick-or-treating without actually oh, having I to Oh, I do that there? all the time. That's how I know what's happening in video games because I can't play them for shit. So you oh, are absolutely yeah. correct. That's how people like me consume it. <laughs> this is Calling myself yeah, out this here. Is... <laughs> this is going to change my whole life. I don't have to do anything anymore. I just got to rig up no. an earpiece on someone that is. Just watch it on U-Tubes. Uh, so yeah but yeah you in underscore something here it's like is it just this occasion or is it all the occasions is is optimus secretly a creepo yeah well and bumblebee asks and i think it's great because optimus doesn't give a definitive answer we still don't know if he's been listening in if he's going to continue listening in right well, and it's like it's it's almost kind of like you know your your helicopter parenting trope in in anything oh, sure. and in real life. It's like he's monitoring to make sure they're okay, but it's also like okay, is it a trust issue? Like, does he not have that trust yet for you know his his subordinates and stuff like that to go off on their own? Is like it's it's a trust and control thing, maybe it's an anxiety thing, maybe, or maybe he's just even more on edge because he's in this triggered state. Like, you know what I mean? But it is an interesting note to have with Optimus, but also one where it's like, I think it is true to his character and it's, it it comes from that place of caring ultimately is, is what I would take it as, but I'm interested to see if that tracks for either of you. Cause it is creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that Optimus in this series is nothing if not fallible. Like he, he is a, a a very unique Optimus in that way. Um, He's not like the self-deprecating Optimus of the comics. Um, He's, he's just not that good at what he does. Uh, He, he was kind of thrust into this role and here he is. But he's also not a dum dum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna throw the all spark into the spike brig. Yeah, yeah, and he definitely doesn't have the martyr complex. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple like, shots fired. <laughs> he's not a great leader, but he also wants to live. That's what makes him a very unique Optimus Prime. Yes, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something that we've never most... seen in the character. <laughs> that is the American presidency in like every every iteration. I'm not a great leader, but I do want to survive my yeah. my term. <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> so he uh, uh optimus decides to roll out and that um because like it's it's something like when when he and b are talking he's like spiders oh man springs into action that that's what spurs him on and as he rolls out uh we roll back into flashback Yes. Yeah. And then we see that Optimus has uh, been separated from Alita one and Sentinel. um, And he stumbles upon the Decepticon warship. And unlike where this would have been like a big treasure hunt moment for Sentinel, this is just wonder and awe from Optimus, our resident history buff. This is why he's here. Like, like even though all this danger is happening around him. uh, Wow. He's, it's a huge piece of history. And Mike, we were talking about way back in the first episode, um, we're living in this weird, weird world where 
people don't even believe Decepticons exist anymore. Like right. we've gone so far from the Decepticon war that like people don't even think that they're a real thing. Um, so this must be a huge moment for Optimus seeing this ship and being like, okay, everything that I just believed on a core level is now for sure true. I think this is a really cool moment. And then it's also tainted with that, like, oh, but there's also like death and danger behind me as well so it's it's one of those yeah. where i imagine it's quite bittersweet because it's like oh like man i would have loved to have the time to like look at all of this and it also I wish i knew you know, if my friends were dead or not exactly well <laughs> yeah. and it makes his actions later on even more telling i would say and, and even have more gravitas to it behind it yeah totally and and so on this ship he also finds energon uh exclamation point actual and... energon cubes <laughs> yeah yeah like and... like real g1 energon cubes Pink like, energon cubes yeah, yeah. Like, totally. ni nicely stacked too it's just like oh Soundwave was hard at work with these ones boys yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> yep and this is this is actually my favorite Optimus moment in the show, and I think this is like a great uh, David K moment too, because the way he plays it when he goes, "What do you know? Sentinel was right." Energon cubes, huh? What do you know? Sentinel was right. Like there's something bitter there, but also like he's kind of making fun of Sentinel, but you can tell he's also pissed because Sentinel was right about this one thing. Uh, he wanted, you know. He wanted yes. to be like the history buff. He wanted all the knowledge of this. And damn it, Sentinel was right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting here. So like, you know, uh, uh, shortly before we get into the the oval Energon, which is which is not <laughs> Energon at all. Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't clock this the first time. Didn't really think about it. But for being a wreckage of a, a Decepticon warship, first of all, who knows how long it's actually been there. But. It would have been, uh, I, I guess, kind of going more into the macabre since it's a Halloween episode. I, I could have used some dead Decepticons or at least like like an arm or a leg or or something, because the presence of a Decepticon warship doesn't necessarily prove the existence of Decepticons, because like even like prior to the events of this show, uh, like Michael Andrews was saying, you know, uh, folks that believe in Decepticons are kind of kind of kooks that they're, they're like uh, truthers in a way or almost uh, like flat earthers. Almost. It's just like, you know, you're, you're full of shit. You know, Decepticons weren't real, you know, that kind of thing. So but yeah, I think I, I don't I don't know if that's deliberate or just not wanting to have that kind of stuff in a, in a children's cartoon. But th this time through, I, I found it a little odd that there, that there isn't at least like, like a carcasses or like a arm or a hand or, or something. Um, and maybe even that would have like underscored the menace of the, the spiders also. Mm. Right. right. And right. I mean, the one thing I did notice was there was this one shot where he's looking about the cubes. You see what then becomes Black Arachnia's helmet. So I was like, okay, so was that a Decepticon's previous helmet? Is that from one of the spider bots? I don't know what they're what we refer to them as here. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. okay, so she obviously uses that. So it's not technically a part of her. She she dons it. So I was kind of like, okay, so there there is body part of unknown right. origin there <laughs> yeah but it is i i do i do agree i would have loved to have seen some some carcasses because i am morbid in every sense of the word 
<laughs> or or even this because like you know and it's funny on this watch through something knocked loose i was like i didn't see the helmet this time around because i remember when uh halloween time last year we spent a lot of time talking about it because that's something that stuck out to me on that first viewing totally missed it this time around i was like oh yeah that's right there was like a helmet or something there well yeah similarly uh i didn't even notice that helmet at all until the previous time we watched it that was my first time catching that helmet and being like oh my gosh there it is uh so that was kind of interesting even though i watched I'm so it happy every i clocked this alita decade. easter egg on the first time like yeah, oh my god doing it. my job right <laughs> Swish. so th there is a part of me that almost wishes that they would have made that even more explicit like let's say this is like a helm on a dead decepticon and like you know like yeah. you know spider lita like grabs it and says because like there there is i mean i'll jumping way ahead you know there is the part where she's obviously malformed in some way because you you see the the red eyes in 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 the blackness there but like there's and again this this goes to the the economics of the storytelling we almost don't need our hand held to be like oh i'm terrified by my appearance i must now don a mask it's just there you you kind of pick up that shorthand but now that we're talking about it on this level of depth i i i would have liked something maybe a little more explicit where it's like oh i don't know maybe just like the head falls off of a, a dead body or something like that you know just something to really really sell it because really other than her line later of like you know the the decepticons get me in a way that that you autobots never do there there's really nothing to explain how she gets connected with uh with the decepticons now it would be interesting if the helmet actually had like like a, a Decepticon symbol on it or something like that. Just like, I don't know. And and this is one of the other fun parts about the show, because Michael Andrews has seen this entire series many, 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 many times. I have not. I don't know what's coming. I still don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming. Coming. Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to mikes2furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow 2 Mikes 2 Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 2 Mikes 2 Furious. And raise your voice. Leave us a voicemail message at 260-274-MIKE. Again, that's Back to the, I mean, back to like the, the, what I love about this episode, the Halloween component, um, it checks like this episode in particular checks a lot of boxes for me. It's a Halloween story, which I've mentioned. I love. It's also a flashback story, which is a trope that I love in just about 
anything when you kind of get those those interspersed flashbacks and it's sort of telling a a story you know it's switching chapters right it's like go back i want to know what happens um it's doing that plus it's a little bit of a of a love story uh yes. sort of kind of and um it's it's sort of uh, got a heist caper vibe to do it too because you know in the flashbacks they're sort of like raiding this old decepticon ship so it's kind of got all those elements in one. So I think it's a really strong episode just outside of, you know, the series as a whole. Yeah, I, I you know, I almost forgot about the heist element. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why they're on on that that planet and in that ship and all that. I forgot about all that. It seems like he's got this phobia of uh, uh, spiders and it is just kind of funny because it is, it is just straight up black arachnia looking spider. I mean, cause so, and, th and that's what I mean. So like, even for like a first time viewer, I clocked that. I was like, Oh, this yeah. is the black arachnia episode. Okay. Cool. Nod there. Got yeah. it. Got it. And even then when you meet uh, Optimus and Sentinel and Alita, um, it's interesting, and again, thinking about things from like a toyetic standpoint, it, it you can tell that the the character design of Alita is basically a pre-tool of uh, of Black Arachnia. So I mean, you know, yeah. she, she's got like got like the 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 larger trunk, uh, very similar body type, and a lot of like the same bits. Well, she's she's great in this episode and she's a really cool character design alita one um and i love her sort of like rogue power where she can like download other bots powers um that's pretty cool that's that's a nice little nod and then also another box this checks for me it's not as grand and storytelling wise but i love sentinel prime uh i know he's kind of like the asshole of the show but he's such a cool design that i just i'm I, i'm so excited to get any any content with him in it. That's a man. So, so a couple other things to uh, go off there. I, I didn't piece it together that it's a, uh, that it's rogue, you know, like, like the, oh, the, yeah. absor the absorbing power, because like, yeah. um, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause like the, the, the first few times it's like Sentinel says it and Optimus says it. Um, they're like, use your power, use your power. Or, or she's like, okay, well, I'm going to use my power here. And I'm like, what is, she? and it isn't until like, she does it a few times. It was when she like pops up with uh, Optimus's uh, uh, grapple gun, uh, emulate and duplicate um, other Autobots powers. Cause like th there's the whole contention of like, oh, you know, my power doesn't work on organics, but it was yeah. like, what I, what I, love is that it doesn't hold your hand and explain everything like i i delighted in having to actually watch the episode and figure things out through context where it's like oh that's what her power is yeah because like yeah yeah they just keep calling it that it's like oh okay well i'll use my power you know my power this my power that well not to keep tooting marty eisenberg's horn but that's something he's really good at like uh, i think a lot of cartoons now have kind of well they've definitely gone to like a shorter episode length but a lot of shows have lost that sort of like you know don't talk down to the viewer um don't just hit them over the head with a hammer of everything you want to do right away there is sort of this unpacking element to the to this series in general that's a lot of fun mm -hmm. yeah absolutely this flashback uh oh it it's the three of them it's optimus and sentinel and alita and so um because i i think they that's how they refer to each other you know optimus and sentinel 
Yeah. Are either are either of them prime at this point? Like, is it is is Sentinel uh, Sentinel Prime or no. or is that? Is, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. But like, yeah, I don't know, and I don't know if it's a spoiler or not either. Um, I can't remember if they've kind of used that sort of loosely or or what. I know. Yeah, I think I think maybe they are. I think maybe. I mean, this is totally without looking up anything. I think that'll sure, be the yeah, fun yeah. of this. But uh-huh, I think uh-huh. I think Prime is sort of like a like not as high of a delegation as it is in the other continuity. Um, because uh, maybe this is a little bit of a spoiler. Okay. Later on, we see Ultra Magnus, and the Magnus is actually the mm-hmm. highest like ranking title. So I think it would. I don't know if they do say Prime in this, but I feel like it wouldn't be wrong if they did. Like likely okay, Sentinel gotcha. Prime is a, also a Prime. Got it. So it, it's yeah. So it, it could be something like it's a it's a lower ranked designation. So so yeah. it stands to reason that either or both could be Prime at, right. at this point. It's, it's more of a rank than a title. Yeah, um, yeah. And and um, another spoiler alert: why I love the series so much is because there's it does make ultra Magnus like the best bot in the biz. And you know, I'm a huge ultra <laughs> Magnus fan. So having him, having the Magnus actually be like a rank is really cool. That sounds super metal. The Magnus man, 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 yeah. man. I, I love it. That's that. That's that's super rad. Um, I also want to talk about the dynamic between these three characters. So in this continuity and obviously never seen, um, Alita before. Um, I, I I want to talk about and ask about the dynamic a little bit because like it, their dynamic strikes me as almost kind of a hot rod Springer RC situation. Like, you know, in, in more traditional continuity, you know, Alita is more paired with Optimus, you know, and, and, um, but here, based upon how upset he is, it almost seems like he's I, either there together or he's uh, um, uh, fixated on her or something. Sentinel seems way more upset than Optimus does when uh, Optimus says that they they need to that they need to leave. They need to um, uh, leave Alita behind because you know they they can't detect her um, her um, uh, life spark or life essence or whatever whatever yeah, it yeah. was. We've seen that Optimus has this. Um, irrational fear of spiders and and everybody's uh picking on him about that um uh you you get well, first you of get all the... i don't think there's such a thing as an irrational fear of spiders they are yeah, very scary enough. everyone has the right to be rationally afraid of spiders maybe, maybe disproportionate is uh yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. A, is a better way to describe it go. because <laughs> because again it's like anytime he sees a uh spider it triggers the uh flashback it like you know he has a, he has a very has a very uh intense visceral reaction to it yeah and they have this great moment um where when they first kind of spot maybe i'm skipping around a little bit but when, when they have that great moment of like um uh bumblebee sees the giant spider for the first time and you're kind of something's going on and then you find out that optimus has been like listening in <laughs> i love that oh, and he's yeah. like have you been listening to this the whole time and then that's such a great moment because not only it's as funny but you're like uh optimus is sort of like i was right something's up this isn't just a weird night where i'm remembering you know 
thing. Something's up, and he like rolls out and joins them. Like I, I, I really like that moment. And, and then um, again, a great animation gag where you have Bumblebee zipping all over uh, uh, Bulkhead's just just massive size. And I, I like what you can do with with uh, Bumblebee being such a a small character and Bulkhead being such a large character. You can play around with that, and yeah. I thought that was that was really fun. And I think it's it's little moments like that that again kind of um indicate to me why folks think this series is so special because you can't you can't do stuff like that in in a Netflix show you know j- just little yeah. bits of visual humor but one of the things that i clocked and i i don't know the um implications of the mythology of it but at one point when Optimus and Alita are, are fighting these spiders, you see the black arachnia helmet sitting on the floor of the cave. Yeah. And I saw that. And, and, and again, I knew basically once I knew what was going to happen, I knew what had happened. But I, I still don't know if I understood what the significance was of seeing that and then how that ends up happening when she fully uh, transforms into uh, Black Arachnia. I wonder if she's... Like-